Hey there, health aficionados. Welcome to another riveting episode of Pop Health Week, brought to you by Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, your co-host and the man behind the curtain pulling all the strings at Health Innovation Media. Joining me in our digital wonderland of his studio is the one and only Fred Goldstein, the co-architect of Pop Health Week and the reigning president of Accountable Health, LLC. Pop Health Week is your go-to virtual salon where the who's who of healthcare from payers and providers to patients and policymakers gather to spill the beans on the latest in population health and public health innovation. Want to slide into our lineup with a Where's the Beef contribution? Find us at www.popupstudio.productions or tweet us at Greg Masters MPH for me, and that's Greg with two G's, mind you, and FS Goldstein for Fred. You can also catch Fred at www.accountablehealthllc.com. Today we're jazzed to host Yael Swerdlow, the maestro behind Maestro Games, SPC. They're on a mission to make wellness and resilience as addictive as Candy Crush or fill in the blank as to your preferred addiction. Partnering with first responders, research institutions, and healthcare providers. Yael wears many hats. She's a co-founder of the Women's Empowerment Foundation board member here, there, and everywhere, and even a consultant at USC's Game Pipe Labs. Plus, she's got a Pulitzer on her shelf. No big deal, right? We're diving deep into the world of VR, arts, and gaming to explore how they can be your new health BFFs. Fred, the stage is yours. Show us what you got. Thanks so much, Greg and Yael. Welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you very, very much, Fred. It's a pleasure to get you on. I've had the opportunity to see some of the things you're doing, talk to you at the conference, all these things. So why don't we start, give our audience a little sense of your background and your company. Terrific. Thank you. My my line is that I reinvent myself with alarming regularity, but I am actually have one overriding theme, and that is tikkun olam. It means to, you know, to repair the world. So everything I do is about uh, hopefully lighting a path. Um, so I started out as a longtime photojournalist, actually, and I kind of joke around so very sardonically that I've you know been on Man's in Humanity World Tour, but I definitely have been borne witness to the best and worst humanity does to each other. So I shot for the Associated Press in L.A., and then I was in shot for the L.A. Times for a few years. I was with uh, two Pulitzer teams, one for the Rodney King um, uh, L.A. riots, and the other one was the um, uh, Los Angeles earthquake, the Northridge quake. And I almost was killed a bunch of times, and so I decided to make my death count, which is how photojournalists think, And so I volunteered for International Medical Corps, and I went overseas in 1994 uh, for a whirlwind uh, photo thing for them in Somalia and southern Sudan and Rwanda after the genocide. I uh, obviously witnessed a lot and um, then came back here and, you know, did some writing, of course, being in L.A., you know, tried to write a wrote a screenplay, tried to sell it based on my experiences and a TV series, which I'm still occasionally trying to sell. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then like looked around and decided what I wanted to do next. Um, I ended up being on the other side of the 
journalism divide, if you will. I was the press officer at the Israeli consulate here in LA for a little while. So I learned a lot there. And then I ended up getting a master's in public diplomacy from USC, um, which is a combination of my international relations, bachelor's degree and uh, communication. And then I looked around and thought, okay, well, let's be an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> so this is my, my second startup. The first one failed. So the, I guess the line is I learned a lot and now I'm, you know, working, um, I'm the CEO and founder of Maestro Games. We're a social purpose corporation based here in LA. And what we do is we are neuroaesthetic technology. And what that means is that we sit at the intersection of behavioral health, neuroscience, and the arts. Um, we create you know, resilience through music, virtual reality, gamified it. Um, and we give players literally moments of beauty and joy and awe and wonder as a way of countering the PTSD and moral injury and burnout and stress that's plaguing so many folks, especially first responders, which is where we are a little bit more focused right now. Because I've wor worked alongside uh, dysfunctional cowboys, as we're called, uh, the first responders that are out there risking life and limb and their mental health. And obviously, we know the suicide stats um, with healthcare professionals and law enforcement and military, both active duty and veterans and educators and everybody. So trying to bring um, comfort, if you will, to, to, to folks that are doing so, so much for us. What made you pull those pieces together to say, I'm going to go into this space? Well, I was two things. Um, I, I was, was raised, raised by a very, very brilliant father. He was the proctologist to the stars, if you will. <laughs> and um, he had his you know, law degree and he was a really brilliant guy. I mean, he wrote poetry to my mother every day and all of that, but he also suffered greatly. He was on the suicide spectrum my entire life. He had a lot of physical and mental, emotional and psychological challenges. He was thrown from a horse early on in their marriage and be, you know, was in broke his back and ribs and everything and became in more and more crippled. And he had kidney disease and he couldn't uh, take me pain meds because of his kidneys. And so um, he ended up in dialysis for the last eight years of his life and he never wanted to do it, but my mother wouldn't let him go. He was obsessed with classical music. That was the place that we were spoiled as kids. We, I've been going to the LA Phil since I was five and other, you know, Young Musicians Foundation and other organizations. And my dad was obsessed in particular with Bach. And I mean, Bach was his God. And I mean that with every sense of the weight of that sentence. And it came time that he had uh, another bout of pneumonia in dialysis. And the dialysis folks called me and they said, listen, we can't do anything for him. He's refusing to go to the hospital. Um, this is torture at this point. You need to let him die. And so I, I'm the one in charge. And so I, I brought him home and we had hospice there. And for somebody, you know, ironically, who was on the suicide spectrum, he fought like hell and was terrified and screaming and kicking and yelling and, you know, thrashing around and hospice was there and they couldn't give him any more morphine or Ativan because they would have killed him if they did that. So they couldn't dose him anymore. And I didn't know what to do. And my mom's falling apart, you know, watching this and my sister's falling apart. And so I, I grabbed my iPhone literally out of desperation, or I guess now I can call it divine inspiration. And I put on the Bach partita number three. And in less than a nanosecond, he went from horrific death rows to 100% peaceful. 
And it was mind blowing. I mean, you wouldn't believe it unless you witnessed it. And, you know, for me, it wasn't, I mean, we kept it going and hours later, that's how he passed away. Um, and we, you know, kept talking through it, you know, go towards the music, you know, that type of stuff. Um, but it was also a confirmation because when I was in, in, in Rwanda and in Butari, there was an Irish organization that had an, was running an orphanage. And, you know, these kids had witnessed and some done had done like the most horrific things you can imagine. And they couldn't speak. They were not quite catatonic, although some of them were, but they couldn't, they couldn't let anything out. And so what Concern did was they instituted drumming and dancing and singing. And it was just phenomenal, the expression, the self-expression that came out. And, um, you know, it's it's such a way of healing because it touches that primal part of our soul that doesn't need words, if you will. And what's interesting is there's a, a friend of mine now um, named Mary Fonero. She's created a company called OmniPeace. And they're, they're building music schools in Rwanda and they have been for years and they just instituting, they're just instituting now music education across all schools. So we have a lot to learn from them, you know, and I, so I know, and I know it from me too. I mean, my own moral injury and burnout. I mean, I use music consistently. So you took the music, but you also took this tech of VR. Talk about that. Well, you know what? It's it's a we were looking around for the most powerful technology we could find. And originally when Microsoft Connect came out, it was like, oh, this is going to be amazing because you know you can gesture and they'll track your movements and stuff. And I knew I wanted something that was going to be completely immersive and also something that was going to be interactive as well, gesture-based. And I was fixated on the idea of conducting the orchestra, but not regimented, if you will, um, to allow people to move with grace and whatever, you know, whatever calls them. And I'm I'm fascinated. One of my favorite portraits is of Picasso painting with light. And so my image was, okay, let's shoot for that. Let's shoot for people to be able, and you know, and we've we've achieved that with with the way that we've designed um The Last Maestro is the name of the game. Really, really decided that VR was the most powerful technology to take people away from their circumstance. And like, I don't want to use augmented reality because you're still where you are. And you know that with VR, it overrides, if you will, your senses fantastically. So, I mean, if, if you are walking across a narrow bridge in VR, even though, you know, you're in the, your plush living room and you know, you're on this wonderful carpet, your body is still going to react like you're walking across a narrow bridge. And that's what we want. We want people to be completely uh, taken away from whatever their circumstances for however length of time that we have them. But you and but this really isn't like walking across a narrow bridge, which would be scary. This is no. awe-inspiring stuff, right? That's sort this of what inspiring. Yeah, I mean, we you know we we had our our I wouldn't call it a to-do list, but we had our our spiritual hit, if you will. I want to give people give people chills in a good way, and so we use really stunning music right now our two experiences that we've done are Pier Gint Morning Mood which is a very well-known piece of very uplifting music with the appropriate emotional crescendo and we paired that with a gorgeous animation of a sunrise over mountains and so you start in the star map which is a real star map so you can pick out your constellations and then um, the conducting batons hovering in front of you and when you grab it 
and start gesturing, um, the moon sets and the sun starts to rise over a gorgeous color palette. Again, an animation, not a cartoon, but an animation and a color palette of uh, mountains and a lake and eagles flying and flowers at your feet. And you can make the flowers bloom if you flick the baton at them. And the whole time there's a, the, the baton itself has like the Harry Potter treatment. So it has stars and streamers and smoke. And the smoke is actually a guide trail. So and you're seeing all this through a VR headset. Yeah, that the you're, person you're has right on. yeah, you're in the VR headset and um, the smoke guide trail that you that you're controlling changes from red to yellow to green. And if you're in time with the music, you're in green. And so the goal is to keep it there. So that's one form of game gamification, one, one, one aspect of the experience. Second part is that you can make the flowers bloom like flicking the baton at them. And the third one is that there are blue shimmering things in the distance. Those are butterflies. And if you look at them, they'll fly towards you. The goal is to find all six and make them fly around. So you've got three things going on that you're focusing on. What's going on under the hood, if you will, is um, we're resetting your autonomic nervous system. And you're secreting dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins. You're creating new neural pathways because you're gesturing. And then the super cool part of this also is that you're being pulled out of your fight or flight mode and put into your critical brain because you're focusing on the guide trail. So it's a, and the entire experience is three minutes and 40 seconds. Um, All of our experiences so far that we're building and we'll be building are in between three minutes and six minutes. And the reason for that is because, you know, first responders, especially like nurses, don't have time to go to the bathroom, much less spend time in a headset. And so our goal is not for people to be in the headset all the time. My The goal is actually to prime you so much to notice beauty and joy and awe that even if you have a really lousy day and you're driving home, you're still going to notice the gorgeous pattern of light on the building. That is, that's my, because studies have shown out of, there's a um, recent books out of Berkeley about the scientific power of awe. There's another book out of Hopkins about neuroaesthetic, uh, you know, your brain on art, if you will, is the name of the book. And what five minutes of awe a day literally changes your physiology. And so that's the goal. And then the other part of it is there's now documented evidence and solid proof that engaging with the arts in some way every single day literally prolongs your life. It literally contributes to your longevity, not just not only your well-being and your you know health, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health, but it literally is essential for a long life. So, you know, and I, again, I've known this, I mean, my, my dad lived for my mom and Bach, but I also know that it's um, a crucial part of, unfortunately, the things that we're, we've forgotten, we're the least resilient society in history. And one of the main reasons why is because we don't notice the beauty and joy and awe around us on a daily basis. And it doesn't have to be something earth shattering. It could be, you know, the study also proved that the most powerful Uh, awe-inspiring thing are other people. Acts of moral beauty, as it's called. If you're just tuning in, you're in for a treat. We're chatting with Yael Swerdlow, the powerhouse behind Meister Games SPC. Stick around. You won't want to miss this enlightening conversation. Well, you know, I'm thinking about this and, you know, some of the things I've looked into around, you know, Japanese forest bathing and things like that. You get out in the woods or people who live by the water and are able to look out on the water tend to live longer, et cetera. And, 
And yep. so you're creating this type of environment that actually triggers some of this within yeah. the VR. And it sounded like you mentioned the nurses maybe during a break using this. So this might be something that they can do. work versus, oh, I'm going home and then I'm going to do my stuff. Obviously, you could do that. But this is more for something like that. Yes, we actually have a case. I mean, I'm very we're very focused on evidence, research and data. So the first case study was done with the nurses at Children's Hospital in Orange County. And they came to us actually before the pandemic, you know, and they were already having a retention crisis. Um, and so the once the IRB had been completed and all of that, they started the case study uh, right before the pandemic, but it went into the pandemic. So we got a different set of data, if you will, right? Um, we gave them nine headsets that they put throughout the hospital in pop-up stations. So it would be in oncology and nephrology and surgery and, you know, hematology. And while they did that, so they, something would happen and they would take their five minutes to reset. And then instead of, you know, going into the bathroom, frankly, to cry, which a lot of them used to do, they would, um, put, go to the pop-up station, put the headset on, be able to reset and then go back out on the floor. So the, that was their findings were published in the Journal of Nursing Administration, uh, May 2022 research issue. And since then, um, like we're partnered with Dell, we're partnered with NVIDIA, um, Lidos, uh, Worldwide Technologies and others. And um, I had a call earlier today um, with, uh, I don't, I think I have an NDA, so I can't say their name, but a very large, very well-known rehab hospital. Um, and, you know, Dell is offering a try and buy, actually, um, mm-hmm. well, supply Maestro headsets to to folks that want it for a couple of months for them to try it out for free. And could you mention you talked about the study? What were some of the findings of that? The findings were, oddly enough, that the uh, well, not oddly, I guess the, the we had the most powerful impact with the younger nurses that were the most traumatized in the NICU unit. And, you know, that was to me very interesting. Um, and then we also had significant impact on the burnout more. It was secondary PTSD and burnout were the two main results of the, of the study. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very interesting thing because it was the combination of all three things, right? It's the combination of the classical music. It's, it's a, with the VR, with the gamification. And so part of the question always is, well, what if it's music on its own? What if it's, you know, just staring at a screen of a nice scene on its own? And the magic seems to be literally that it's the combination of all three. Um, and, you know, we're doing further case studies to document that. Mm-hmm. But before our development team, um, our development team is actually in, in South Africa, but they're, they're family. So that's fantastic. They're a company called Sea Monster. And they're a game, a game and animation award winning uh, company. Um, I had them spend a lot of time on the phone talking with uh, veterans and others about moral injury and what the component was, because I wanted to be able to shoot for moral injury being a separate diagnosis from PTSD. And so two of the hallmarks of suffering from moral injury are that you don't believe that you're worthy of beauty or joy or awe. The hallmarks of healing from moral injury are creativity and play. And so that's what we were shooting for. We were shooting for, let me put you in an environment where you're being creative and you're playing because that's where the spontaneity and the joy and the sense of awe and wonder uh, comes out. So is this, do you see this product just more for general 
you say in a place where high stress, like you talked about, maybe it's with veterans or with first responders or or in a hospital, is it also something you see potentially for therapists to be using within the therapeutic program? 100%. And, and to that, we're also looking at, um, you know, employee wellness, because one of the partnerships that's coming down the pike right now, actually, um, that I can't talk about just yet, because the press releases aren't ready, um, <laughs> is that uh, obviously employee wellness programs are, are expensive. Um, and frankly, you know, law firms, right? If you're, if you have a brief due at five o'clock, you're not going to go downstairs and do a yoga class. You're not going to be able to sit down necessarily and meditate, but I can put you in a headset and in five minutes, I can reset you in your break room. So, you know, there's a lot of use for, um, employees and, you know, and there's, and I was just on a, uh, webinar earlier today with, uh, findings that were just done via Edelman and um, and about literally the impact of mental health on employees and what and what employees are insisting uh, their employer provides. And we're very, very focused on this being used across the board. Um, and one of the things that we also are doing is we're partnering with the symphony orchestras in whatever community that we're going to go in. So we're partnered with Oakland Symphony, for example, right now. And the idea is that the employer gets to prove to the employee that they actually care about them outside of work by sending them to the symphony. And so, you know, and what was interesting about the webinar that I was on today was that this is a survey across the U.S., um, a lot of really interesting data. And one of the most important parts of this was that employees care that their employer is actively engaged in the community. And there's no better way to be actively engaged in the community than supporting the arts. So I'm I'm excited about all the findings. It's it was discouraging looking at all the, the statistics, but yeah. it was very encouraging because I know that we're on the right track. Got it. And your company's relatively new. When did you found this? Um, I founded it actually in late 2016, but I took my time. And we're bootstrapped. So right. you know, bootstrapped is a whole other ballgame. Um, and what I set out to do was look and see who I wanted to develop this, who I wanted involved, uh, the advisory board that I wanted to create, all of that, and, this, and then the scenarios that I wanted to, to do. Um, so I sat down and I wrote a document basically about you know the five pillars of what I wanted Maestro to be. And akin to the pillars of civilization, right? So there's music diplomacy. Um, there's music in entertainment. There's music in education. There's music in healing and healthcare, and and so on. So I I created a a framework, if you will, of where are the touch points where we could go, mm-hmm. and then I set out to create strategic partnerships that would be integral in our marketing and our sales and our distribution. So that's what we've done. We've done as well. And, you know, and, and I've been told I need to be damn proud of myself. So I am, I am proud that I, as, you know, a sole female founder with no track record, I was able to do all of this um, with no money, no staff during a pandemic. And right now you're actually in a raise or trying to begin a raise. Yeah, we're in a raise right now. We're raising um, a total of five million, but it's in a series of tranches and milestones. So the first million is, you know, a set of of tranches, and then two, and then two. 
mm-hmm. as we as we build out, you know, because we're we're very again focused on research, focused on content. Um, we'll be having an iTunes library type of thing where you've got a lot of different experiences. And I want to focus that, I want to stress rather that we're not just, you know, what I very affectionately call dead white European guys. Um, we're not just Bach and Beethoven. Um, we're, all, you know, apologies to my dad, but um, we are, <laughs> we are uh, using a lot of different work. Um, we're, we're uh, deployed in Canada right now. So we're going to be working with um, uh, the uh, public safety and law enforcement in Edmonton. And so we're going to be creating some really interesting content for uh, Indigenous populations um, to be utilized there and also here, First Nation here in the, in the in the States. And, you know, we're global and I'm very focused on all different kinds of music. We're also going to be commissioning original music as well um, through the Open Symphony. So I'm, um, so I'm really, really excited about that. We're part of Renee Fleming Kennedy Center, NIH and NEA Sound Health Network. We're also part of the Neural Arts Blueprint. That's an offshoot of that. Um, and we're, again, super focused on making the arts, obviously, especially music, but also we're visual art as well, um, making it the forefront of, of healing initiatives for mental, emotional, psychological, and spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. It's really a fascinating approach to go after this issue. And the issue is finally resonating everywhere now, given yeah. post-COVID, the pressures being put on healthcare facilities, the obvious pressures oh, yeah. associated with first responders. And I was so excited, actually, to hear you say, because I was going to ask you, but you answered it, which was, people like different music. You know, yeah. I can think of my wife and she has these certain songs she just loves and she'll put those yeah. things on. You can see the change there. I like a lot of different music, but there's there's certain songs that really impact me and yeah. I can just sit in the, and get in the right mood. And to be able to say that we're going to create a a program that's culturally appropriate, that recognizes yes. these different things is just really great. Really great. Thank you. And, you know, I'm and again, I, I love the, the fact that we're going to commission some original work as well. Um, and like, there's a, a piece that we're going to license out of Australia for one of our next experiences. It was, um, out of the Edith Cowan music school and one of their graduates during the pandemic created just an incredible cinematic, gorgeous piece that, you know, is reminiscent of like Lord of the Rings type soundtrack. And so we're going to, um, be doing that one. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm also very proud that we're going to be deploying to Ukraine um, I'm half Ukrainian. And so I'm, and, you know, have a lot of, uh, passion for what's, you know, the things that need to happen there. So we'll be deploying to Ukraine. And so we're looking at different Ukrainian pieces and, and, you know, what kind of music we want to use, um, and for the folks that are, that are suffering there. And we also were approached to work with, uh, children that have, uh, and young adults who have suffered from sexual assault. And so we're going to be, you know, moving in in that direction as well. So this is about healing as much as many people as we can through as, you know, obviously as many uses of the arts as we can with music. Well, it's fantastic. Thanks so much to come on the show, Yael. It's been a pleasure. I really, really appreciate it. And back to you, Greg. And that's a wrap, folks. A huge shout out to our guest of honor, Yael Swordlow, for gracing us with her wisdom today. 
keep tabs on Yale and Meister Games, head over to www.meistergames.com or follow on Twitter via at MaestroSPC. If you're digging what you're hearing on Pomp Health Week, show us some love. Like, share, and subscribe to never miss out on our healthcare hot takes. Catch us live on Healthcare Now Radio, 5.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And for our West Coast peeps, that's 2.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Pacific. From the Pop Health Week crew, Fred Goldstein, and yours truly, Greg Masters, stay safe, everyone, and keep thriving. And until next time, adios. Adios.